This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Well, we've we got a little bit of a crisis to start off the show here, Austin. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's discuss what just happened. Well, we're at the we're proud to be at the Jacksonville Auto Show today, the International Auto Show. Yep. And uh, obviously, since we're on the road, I bring my lunch with me, and I put it in a container. Um, and today we're featuring some cod and rice and some corn and a nice like salsa. It looks good. Mixed together, it smells great too. Yeah. By the way, yeah. And uh, yeah, that thing just dumped out on my backpack hmm. where I keep all of my work stuff. So, so literally not, happened. Not ideal. Literally happened two minutes before we came on the air. And now i got to be a professional, call an audible, and move on, hopefully. And then we'll uh, you circle back to that in about 20 minutes. And then we're going to circle back to it while that fish and cod, you know, the, the cod and the rice are marinating in my backpack. Yeah, we'll, we'll circle back to that later. Hmm. Well, welcome into Action Sports Jacks <laughs> on ESPN 690. Stuart Weber here filling in for Brent Martineau, who is uh, down at the House of Mouse to go watch some high school baseball. Yeah. Beautiful Orlando. Thanks for answering the call, by the way. I appreciate you helping me out today. You know what? If, if it was anybody but you I'd be co-hosting with, I would not have answered the call. Well, you're getting paid, so don't act like it's just me. There's now, also Stuart. that. Okay, there it is. But I appreciate the, the compliment. part of it. I appreciate the compliment. And I really wanted to go do a remote today. Okay. Come on the road and, and come check out all the cool cars here. It is yeah. actually a really uh, cool view. Like, you can't see, but as I look off camera, I'm looking right at a Bentley. Yeah, so we, and this is your doing, by the way, too. You put us right next to the Exotic Car Showcase, yeah. and I walked in there. We got Lamborghinis. We got, you know, like the, the Audi, whatever it's called, like the expensive one. We got Bentleys in front of us. And, yeah, it was cool. Like, the guy asked if I, if I want to sit in Lamborghini, and I was honestly, like, I was scared to. I've never been in a Lamborghini before. I don't want to, like, get in and break something. So I literally just kind of stood next to it a little bit, and it was what it, what it was. Yeah, because if you break it, you bought it. I'm pretty sure I that like, those rules apply here. I mean, unless ESPN 690 wants to cover that, which yeah. <laughs> I, I, I doubt they would. But it begs the question. I mean, there's, I don't know, what would you say, hundreds and hundreds of cars in here? Yeah, there's quite a few. And, and this is, what's this place called that we're at? We're at the Prime Osborne Thank Convention you very much. Center yep. here in uh, downtown Jacksonville. What is the over-under of the amount of time that it took to get all these cars in here? Because there are hundreds of cars in here, ladies and gentlemen. And I don't know where they came from. I bet they did it like Gone in 60 Seconds style. Okay. Where they had a list of them on a wall with a black light. They're like, we got to sure. get this car in here now. I this like one it. now. And they popped it out like that. Okay. Ten, ten minutes. Boom. You're, you're lying. I ten minutes? Okay. No. I would say a couple hours yeah. at least. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Maybe a full day. I, I feel like there's some strategy that goes along with it where, you know, you got to put like this one in last because it's closest to the door. Sure. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be in charge of parking these or being in charge of saying where they go. It's it's insane in here. But, yeah, it's a cool spot. Check it out. Come on down. Prime Osborne Convention Center, Jack's Auto Show. We're having a good time. I smell – It's is that churro? What are we talking about here? What's that smell in there? It's, it's like a bo- broiled peanuts or something. It's a boiled peanuts, maybe? Boiled peanuts or some know. churros. I don't know. I smell a funnel co- cake? cod and rice from a backpack. Oh, there you go, too, I smell. Man. There you go, too. As we started the day. First car, Stuart Weber, hit me with it real quick. First car that I personally owned that was just for me was a uh, 95 Ford Mustang. Okay. White with a red cloth interior. Not bad. Um, before that, I shared an Escort with my mom. Ford Escort? Yeah, a little, okay. little red Ford Escort. <laughs> that's cute. Yeah. Cute. Oh, that one, that was a stick shift, so that's where I learned how to drive. Was on Wait, so car. then what was your Mustang a stick shift The too? first one was a stick shift, Okay, yeah. wow. 
Yeah. Impressive. The, the 95 was. Then I got an 06 Mustang after that that was uh, automatic. Okay, gotcha. I, I missed the stick shift. That was fun. I enjoyed driving a stick. I had one of my cars, it was a stick shift. And, yeah, it, it obviously makes you pay attention to the road a little more. I feel like if you have teenagers and you're worried about the cell phone usage in the car, just get them a stick shift. Yeah. Uh, because it's literally impossible to text message, to go on Instagram, and drive a car at the exact same time. You got a good point. So a stick shift sol- might be where we're it's solving at. the world problems right I, now. I'm just saying. I think more cars should. And now it's to the point where cars drive themselves, essentially, yeah. that we're talking about in the next couple of years. But I'm just saying, if you're a concerned parent, get them that stick shift. I think it's going to have results. Works on their hand-eye coordination, too. Hand-eye coordination as well, man. Yeah. yeah you, how, how about you? Let's uh, let's hear your first. Your, you know, the I've, first Austin Lane mobile. I've shared it before a little bit, but a 1979 Lincoln Continental, yes. um, which was, it was pristine condition, um, silver, the, the gas gauge didn't work, the speedometer didn't work, but it was like 20 feet long. It was like a giant boat. Um, the interior was like, you're, you're, you know, growing up like in your grandma's couch, just super comfortable. Uh, and it was like riding a boat. And I've told this story before, but the first day I got my license, I'm taking it out. I'm all excited. And then the brakes went out of it because the ma- they call it the master cylinder. The master cylinder um, shut off, and then the brakes went out, um, and then that was just a mess. Thankfully, I didn't crash the car too bad. Uh, my friend riding shotgun with me actually jumped out of the car while it was moving because he was too scared because the brakes went out. Um, so I made the town newspaper because supposedly people thought I was doing donuts in the parking lot and like that's what was you know what I was doing joyriding and it turns out that the brakes uh, went out so thankfully mm. I didn't get a ticket or anything for that. You didn't have uh, an international car show to come check out to come you know pick your first car. No, but talking about the a car show, uh, I saw it to Iola, Wisconsin, where I grew up has the yeah. has one of the largest car shows in the entire U.S. Oh. Um, especially in the Midwest. Yeah, a, a town of twelve like twelve hundred. We get around 100,000, 200,000 people per year in our town for our car show. It's um, it's what we're known for, basically. Very cool. Yes. I know uh, we have some, some old cars around the corner here, and we're actually 15 days away from the Concourse d'Elegance. Have, okay. you, have you been up to that event on Amelia Island? Hit me with it. No, I have no idea what that is. It's a lot of really old, really cool cars. Okay. Um, up there in that Fernandina Beach, Amelia Island area. Okay. Uh, and every year they... Roll them all out there, and you go check them out. Have you been there before? I have not been there. Y- you haven't shot it or anything? No. Okay, I figured you guys would have been all about that stuff. Yeah, I mean, they're not racing them. Okay. You know, they're just kind of sitting there. Okay, so, so as long as it's race cars, then you're good to shoot it. If it's not, not necessarily your cup of tea. I mean, I'm just thinking from a, a TV coverage standpoint, okay. you know, what what we provide. I got you. Uh, if they were racing, that'd be a different story. Okay. Fair enough, man. Yeah. Fair enough. Instead, they were just showing them off. So we're, we're going to talk some football today, aren't we? Oh, we definitely talking football today. You know, now that the draft, um, you know, everything's in stone. The Jaguars got their guys. Uh, rookies going to be reporting pretty soon to training camp and all that great stuff. Urban Meyer probably going to give them a rude awakening of what life in the NFL is all about. So they can all expect that. But now it's time to kind of go back, and let's be honest, hindsight is twenty twenty, mm. and And being the quote-unquote football experts that we are, we watch the film, we check the tape, so we know what we're talking about. But I think it was a good I saw somebody to go, respond with that on Twitter, by the way. I need no to go back way. and look at the tape, and I'm like, I just Who thought said of, that? I thought of you, and I'm just like, oh. I, I'm going to trademark uh, that right now. I'm going to start making T-shirts yep. before somebody else does. And has They, the they needed to idea. check the tape before they gave their draft grade. For sure, for sure. <laughs> but, but seeing how hindsight's 2020, we can go back now on the Jaguars draft. I thought it would be fun to go back and say, knowing how the draft shook out now, what would you have changed? For the Jacksonville Jaguars, who would you have drafted? Who would you maybe let slide a little bit? Um, and what would you have done 
for the betterment of the team. Now, there's no right or wrong answers, obviously. This isn't shock your mock, per se, because, trust me, I'm all shocked out from that. But I think it's a good little exercise to say what they maybe should have attempted to do a little more, seeing who fell where and everything like that. I mean, obviously, you know, a guy that comes to me right off the get-go was we talk about tight ends, right? And, and Pat Fryermuth, it was all but certain that he was coming to Jackson. You know, we had so many Pat facts delivered on the show. I mean, show. we had we learned Pat so much facts, about the guy. His coach from Penn State um, is, you know, his former coach from Penn State is on the team as well. So it just made so much sense, and they chose to go in a different direction. Um, you know, and obviously that's a guy that you can maybe say. Uh, I think Brevin Jordan falling as long as he did. And, and that's the thing about the draft this past year, more, maybe more than any year, right? Like when we throw around guys like Trevon Merrick and when we threw around Christian Barmore, like I'll be honest with you, and I was the first one to say, I thought Trevon Merrick was by far the best safety of this class. Well, I think he was the third or fourth guy taken, right? The guys went before him. So you really got the sense this year maybe more than any other year. And once again, it comes down to not being at the combine, not having those interactions with each other saying, all right, I got this guy number one. Yeah, me too, me too. When you take those conversations away, I feel like guys got to guess a little more. And obviously when guys guess a little more, sometimes I feel like the positions aren't ranked properly of where they should have been. Now, is Trevon Mary going to be the top safety going forward? He very well might be. But obviously, of how the draft shook out, it shows, well, maybe he wasn't as good as everyone, at least as all the mock experts thought. The interesting thing to me, as you kind of get that hindsight looking back on it, is you were really able to see the way that Urban Meyer and Trent Baalke approached this draft. Yeah. Uh, and we could only guess going into it, because Urban's never done it before. Correct. You know, first, first ever crack at it in the NFL. And what we found out was he's going to go with the guys he knows, and occasionally take some risks. I mean, you look at some of the draft picks in this class, and with some of the guys and their injury history, with some of the guys who you know didn't play for an entire year, you took some risks in that regard. Uh, so for me, it's really interesting. They said it a little bit in the buildup as far as, you know, we're going to go with the guys we know, we're going to do it this way, but mm-hmm. they, they really stuck to that. They yeah. stuck to their guns and, and really went that route in picking up some of these guys that we didn't see in a single shock your mock. Exactly. You know, that that was the interesting thing to me is that so many guys popped up, these names that just rolled in, and it's like, it's granted that's going to happen in the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. True. But when you're talking about it happening in rounds two and three, and, you know, Tyson Campbell coming out of nowhere as, yeah. a, as a cornerback pick at 33, uh, yeah, that was, that was interesting to me. Yeah, it's absolutely, you know, and once again, we can talk about need and what the Jaguars should have done, but you got the sense that, you know, they they had their eyes on Tyson Campbell, you know, and and arguably was he even the best corner on his team, you know, this past year, one will tell. But, you know, I think it comes from a little bit, I'm not sure how much stake went into these pro days, right? Like, it seemed like this year more than any other year, we're talking about four threes. Everyone's running four threes, four fours, and everything like that. But then when you look at, and not just as Jaguars, but like, you know, when you look at the selections that were made, I think a lot of it has to do with obviously on the field production um, and, and what it shows on film. And to me, that's the most important part. Like, yeah, that's great. You know, you had some Penn State guys, you know, run the four threes and the linebacker uh, and whatnot. And that's fantastic. But what does the film show? And that to me, I guess, if you want to talk about a sigh of relief, that's what I got more from this draft really than anything is that, all right, teams are still doing this the right way. They're, they're, they're still looking at the film and saying, all right, this guy fits here, this guy fits here. And then I think that the pro days are always secondary. 
And it really begs the question going forward. You know, we put, at least we seem to put so much stake on the NFL combine. You know, the 40-yard dash, the bench press. And we're essentially putting these players um, in a predicament where they're not supposed to succeed. They're not supposed to be comfortable. You know, I was there. I was going on five hours of sitting ready to run a 40-yard dash. Like, you don't feel 100%. And it's almost like you're trying to stack the chips against these players. I wonder going forward if we're going to see a lot more focus now on pro days and maybe second pro days and then less focus on the combine, which seem to be like the, the, the focus of all focuses in terms of your post-college career. For me, I feel like the, the cool thing about the combine and, and one of the reasons they use it as such a big evaluating tool is how right next to each other you can see the different pro- prospects. Correct. You know, yeah. you're not on your home field with your home guy doing yeah. the stopwatch. Maybe, Maybe running, running downhill. 30, downhill 30, <laughs> 39 and a half yards True. instead of 40. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I do like that aspect of it. But, yeah, I mean, using the tape. You got to use the tape. You got you to see how these guys did on the actual field. And they absolutely had to do that for especially these players who didn't play in 2020. Yeah. You no, know? yeah. You had to go back to that 2019 tape and, and see what they were able to do. And, I mean, shoot, that – it kind of felt like college recruiting sure. when you're talking about all these guys get offered based on what they do like their junior year and before. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what was happening here with some of these players where you just threw out 2020 and went back to 2019. And it begs the question, too, of what that transition is going to be like when you sit out a year. Yeah, it's one thing if you want to go back in time and say Adrian Peterson missed how much time with the torn ACL, comes back with some newly found stem cells and didn't miss a beat. Right, It's one thing to say that when you're a veteran, when you're accustomed to the league. It's another thing when you miss out a full year of college and then you come to the pros right away. I think we see this all the time with guys that are hurt out of college and they come into the draft, you know, and maybe they're drafted a little later just because teams are taking a chance on them. And it takes a little extra long to get transitioned from the college game to the pro game. If you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars right now, they have a couple guys. You know, I mean, you think of Walker Little right now who opted out last year, who's coming off of an injury as well. What is that? time going to look like? Like, How much time will he need to get back to where he was? Because we hear all these experts say, well, if Walker Little gets back to where he was as in college, he's going to be a starter by the time the season's over. And you know what? You're probably right. We'll see. But I also know that whether you're an offensive lineman, defensive tackle, defensive end, the game of football from the and I don't care where you play that, the game of football from the college level to the pro level it is just, it's such a difference. It is so technique-focused because it has to be because the game is faster. The players are stronger. Uh, the techniques are refined. And I wonder how long it's going to take these guys, like Walker Little, to transition from the college game to the pro game, especially after setting out a year. Well, yeah, and another thing when you're talking about the, the Urban Meyer draft, especially with it relating to that, is the fact that they didn't get suckered into drafting for need. Correct. You know, we didn't have to play the draft need alert. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Const- Sometimes I wish we did. Const- yeah. I, well, obviously, you know, when, when you're at home, I mean, you're looking at it from the vantage point of, okay, here's this 53-man roster. Mm-hmm. Here are these spots we need to fill. Yeah. Let's do these quickly. Yes. But we don't know how they have the guys evaluated inside the building, and we don't know how they have some of these players that they picked up that – Maybe it wasn't necessarily in a position of need, but they they just went and made that position better. Tyson Campbell, perfect example, uh, where he is now going to bump up that level of play for the cornerbacks, uh, be it, you know, as that nickel guy or, who knows, pushing either Shaq Griffin or C.J. Henderson. So uh, it it was promising to me, you know. I, I, I was 
intrigued by the fact that they were able to go do that and, and not feel like they had to go, okay, we need a safety, we need a tight end, let's get them, bam, bam, True. right now. Well, and I guess the biggest thing for me going forward now, and Tyson Campbell, obviously, he, he's one of the bigger picks, second round, pick number 33, first pick of the second round. When we talk about Tyson Campbell, and this is my major concern about Tyson Campbell, He's got the size, he's got the length and everything like that. Like I, I understand why Urban Meyer, more even probably uh, specifically Joe Cohen, picked this guy, right? Because he's your prototypical um, press corner. Where you put him on the one receiver, the two receiver, you set it and forget it. That's what you want to have out of a cornerback. But once again, if we have Tyson Campbell right now, and he's coming to training camp, and let's assume, once again, we don't know, but let's assume right now that C.J. Henderson is good to go week one. You yep. know, everything's okay. He's good to go week one. So you got Shaq Griffin, C.J. Henderson, and Tyson Campbell. Yes, that is a very formidable secondary. But the problem lies, can Tyson Campbell play that slot? Can C.J. Henderson play that slot? You're not paying Shaq Griffin all that money to play the slot. So some guy's got to play the slot. Okay, now I'm not sure how much experience Tyson Campbell has playing it. I don't think he has a lot because he's always played on the outside last time I checked. And just what I worry about a little bit, if Tyson Campbell is indeed the guy that will be that slot corner, is what do you do to his confidence if he's not accustomed to playing that position? And what do you do? And let's keep in mind what we're talking about right now. This is the NFL, man. You got some ball and slot corners. You got guys like Tyreek Hill. I mean, heck, even Adam Humphrey can have a good day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the, the slot. The quality at the, that slot receiver position has improved so much recently. It's drastically guys improved. Guys are drafting guys for that spot exactly. specifically now. It's drastically improved, and it's drastically utilized. Yeah. Like, teams focus on that slot wide receiver. So you throw a rookie out there in Tyson Campbell, I just hope that he's ready to go at that position because it is different. It's different footwork. Um, you know, It's a different kind of skill set. And the last thing I want to do is see a guy play out of position his first year, lose his confidence because he's playing out of position. One could argue the same thing happened to Caleb on Chase on a little bit for the first start of the year last year with his hand in the dirt. Yeah, and the problem with that, though, is if he doesn't you know, play well in that slot corner position yeah. – you just spent your 33rd draft pick on a backup. Yeah. That's got to be a starter. Correct. You know? Correct. 33rd draft pick's got to be a starter on yes. your team. Yeah, without a doubt. Hands down. Especially on a team that went 1-15 and 15 last year. So, you know, I mean, that's no hands, no, no questions about it. So certainly a risk. Cer- certainly a risk, <laughs> certainly, nonetheless. Certainly a risk there. Yeah. but Well, and, and that's kind of what I alluded to before on the show a little bit, where, you know, we got to take the draft and free agency, and we got to stop putting them apart. Yeah. And, and and they have to complement each other. Yeah, no doubt. The Jaguars got a heck of a run in free agency in terms of getting starters to your team. You've massively you've massively upgraded your defense from last year's 115 performance. I understand that. So you can afford a little bit when you get so many signings coming in. You can afford a Walker Little, or you can afford a Tyson Campbell, but you still have to make sure that they work out because it's hard to justify whether you're Urban Meyer, whether you're Trent Bulky, your first go around. And your second-round pick is on the bench. Oh, I'm sorry. Both your second-round picks and Walker Little as well are on the bench the first year. That's hard to sell after a, a rough year last year. Only 11, only 11 guys are getting out there on that field, though. You're not lying, man. But, hey, when we come back, let's go ahead and break it down a little bit. Let's talk about what they maybe should have done. Let's play, you know, Captain Hindsight, if you will, yeah. and who we would have loved to see them take instead of the selections that they made right now. More on ESPN 690 when we get back. Brent Martineau. Well, listen, if we wanted to just bump WWE by like a half hour or a few minutes, yeah. 
we should have just rolled your your highlight tape. Austin Lane. Oh, and there it is. And now Brent's playing ball. All of a sudden, Chapman throwing some high heat at me. Watch out for that suspension, Brent. Real quick, though. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Blood the king of cat, bro. You're the king of cat. You ain't a boxer anymore, Jake. Tired. You old. Very, very old. You a grandpa. Very wise. Your kids have kids. My kids have kids. Love my kids. Love my grandkids. And guess what? I'm going to treat you just like you're one of my grandkids. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I assume that's one of the Paul brothers and Floyd Mayweather. I think Coos is going to be treated like a great kid here. I, I believe the, the pre-show idea was not to play any of that. I could have sworn. Off the lane. I could have sworn the group text. I kind of alluded to the fact that I didn't want to talk about this. But here we are, 327 on a Friday, and it's leading off the show. Coos, your thoughts? Give us your expert opinions about uh, Jake or whatever Logan and stealing Floyd Mayweather's hat and trending and it's good for the sport of boxing, I guess. Let's hear your uh, analysis. ESPN's watching, so you better sound good here. No, no. The only reason I brought it up is yes. because it was the number one trending thing yesterday on Google. Yeah, well, it was a boring day yesterday. <laughs> wasn't a lot going on. I don't know, on. man. Justin Bieber is announcing he's coming to Jacksonville and stuff like that, and that didn't get over this. I think you're on the wrong channel. What are the <laughs> odds <laughs> that Trevor Lawrence? Channel, what are the odds that Trevor Lawrence gets pulled on stage? Oh, probably pretty high, right? Yeah. It's yeah. gonna be. It's, so is April of next year. There's. Oh yeah. Oh, for he's, sure. He's but, on I stage. Mean, I mean, by that time, he's the MVP. Or not the MVP, but the Rookie of the Year. No, the MVP. The hype. You, you had it right. I'm sorry, the MVP. Yeah, yeah, right. And the hype's never been higher. Yeah, I'm sure he's gonna have some kind of collaboration with Justin Bieber. Much to my heart's chagrin. I mean, hey, Trevor, you had me at Casey Musgraves, man. When's she coming to Jacksonville? Not soon enough. Can we make that happen? Not soon enough, Stuart Weber. But then you go with Justin Bieber, and you, 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 it is what it is. But also, I do another show where I have to say he's a great artist and very talented. Um, and I mean, he's you a, don't have he's to say He's a top it. 40. Yeah, but they kind of let me to say it, so that's what I'm going to say right now. But speaking of Coos right now in the group text, uh, Coos. So, yeah, I told you not to play the whole Floyd Mayweather thing, and that's fine. It's okay. To it's be not fair, I played deal. it from, like, Floyd Mayweather getting the last comment, you know? You know what, Kuz, when we talk about it, no one gets the last laugh. And, of course, we got Max Kellerman and Ariel Hawani, all the ESPN bigwigs talking about this thing. I don't know why. It's a big story. I get it. It gets clicks. It gets views. But you know what, man? I'm not going to sell my soul to the to the YouTube gods. No, sir. I'm going to go down with the ship. But speaking of the group text real quick, Kuz. I can't help but notice today. And how long have I known you for? I mean, how I, I would consider us friends, right? Sure, homies. yeah. Homies, you would say? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would, I, would, I would let you meet my mom if it came down to it. If my mom was in town, <laughs> I would say, hey, you want me to meet my friend Coos? And she would, be, she would be quite smitten with what you bring to the table. It's a high, okay? honor, high honor, right? Yeah, yeah very yeah, high. Sure. You, think I, you think I bring Stuart on my mom? Yeah, Absolutely not. not. He's no. never got that invite. So no. take that for how you want it. But I can't help but notice... When you're texting the group ideas today, hey, Coos, how'd you spell my name in the group text? Oh, no. Oh, no. Did I, did I spell it all messed up? Oh. And here's the messed no. up part about the whole it? thing. Oh, it's in the other one. Okay. Here's, here's what Coos said. ESPN also did a top three rookies that they're excited to watch this year in the NFL. Could be a okay. fun debate for you and Stuart and Austin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's spelled and wrong. It, hold on, hold and, on, hold on. And, and, and what did you do? What did you do? I, I put an I. You put an I. To okay. be fair. I was doing text to uh, te- talk to text, and didn't catch it. See, so and this is offensive to me. Did he spell Stewart right? 
Uh, spelled Stuart right, and then what yes. did I do? I said, like that idea, Justin. Spelled Justin. But he spelled it, and the worst part is I didn't even realize he spelled nice. it wrong so, until now. I like that. All right, so let's I get like in the draft low, in a second, but I, I just want you to know who is right now, okay? When someone texts me, whether it's Stuart <laughs> or you, I take time. I analyze the, the, the text message. I have a clear thought. Um, I put my heart and soul into it, and I respond in a timely manner. Okay, I don't just shrug it off nonchalantly, use my voice text like it's the Wild West and with zero consequences. Here's the problem. Voice text for me, it has a better chance of spelling things right than me actually typing it out. Because, I mean, I can't stress this enough. If, if you were, like, you're my grandma... You're about to lose that invite to meet his mom. Yeah. Oh, no, that's, that's off the table. It's gone. That's, gone. that's, gone that's off the... Stuart, yeah. what, what are you doing this weekend? Hey, right I got now? the invite. Yeah. Take that, Coos. I can't stress this enough. If, if you're a grandma and you're using voice to text because you can't really operate the, the keyboard, I understand it. If you're a dude in his 20s who seems to be up on the cutting-edge things and you're using voice to text, Coos, check yourself. Okay? Just check yourself. I'm not saying change yourself. I'm just saying check yourself a little. I'm okay? just it's it's faster for me to do but, it that way. See, is it faster though when you have to actually read the text message, see well, that you spelt my name wrong, <laughs> go in, I didn't delete do that. The I. Well, you should have did it. Go in and delete the I and then put the E in. And now you're dealing with the repercussions. Yeah, yeah. And, and now I'm sitting here with a bunch of lovely people around me looking at cars and I'm going on a tirade because you can't even spell my name. <laughs> got, so what's, got some takeout by the way the other day. Yeah. Uh, steward. Ooh. Spelled. D? S T U E R D. That's a, that's a steward. That's an aggressive one. It's very aggressive. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I get I get I N all the time, obviously, yeah. because I get E W all the time. But I had, I expected better from my friend Justin Kuzar. Mm. But it is what it is. So now from now on, Kuz is gonna be uh, or Justin will be J U S T E N. Former friend. Former friend Justin Kuzar. But we we teased it a little bit, Stuart. And now it's time to deliver. Let's do it. And the whole reason why I wanted to do this, because let's be honest, we're gonna go back one day after the season, and we're gonna play this audio back. And if, if we're right, we're obviously going to share it. If we're wrong, we'll just put it to bed. How'd we do on the predicting where quarterbacks would go? Oh, dude. Horrible. We're, we're not good at all? Horrible. Okay, good. I mean, but let's be honest. The, the quarterback carousel was... I remember doing that when we were in Cartersville. Yeah. Um, I mean, we can go. Back, we can play the audio back if you want, but spoiler alert, I don't think anybody got anything, anything right. Anything right at all? The only thing I said, I listened to it, I yeah. said that... Jimmy Garoppolo was going to go to Chicago because Trey Lance is coming to San Francisco. Okay. I got that right. Yeah. So I was like one for 20. All right. But anyways, yeah. your draft, your draft selection. And this is really a resume for us. Just in case Trent Bulky doesn't work out, Urban Meyer listens to the show, this is our chance to get our foot in the door. So, Stuart, if you could go back, and if you're in that room with Urban Meyer, and you could kind of advise him to maybe go some different selections, knowing what we know now, what would you change, or do you love it? Here's the thing. When I heard about the Travis Etienne pick, I loved it. Okay. Um, yes, from a weapon standpoint, but for me, it's more about his familiarity with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. And you're giving this rookie a guy he already knows, mm-hmm. a guy that you know he'll be able to check down to if he's in the play because he's so familiar with him. How many touchdowns they've combined for over, you know, their three years working together? I just feel like that was such a savvy move to be able to do that and obviously going into it never would have guessed that never never would have uh said well maybe they should go pick up that an extra running back and drive a ctn but well and let's be honest too if you're in that room right now with urban meyer and you say maybe we should go a different direction this was an urban meyer pick hand yeah yeah this had urban meyer written all over well that's the thing it's like 
if I'm looking at running backs I would want them to pick, I wouldn't want them to pick a running back. But yes. if I'm looking at a teammate of Trevor Lawrence's that I'd want them to pick, yeah, okay. I like that. Now, would I go that route at 25, knowing what we know about the draft? I don't know. I don't know. We can we can look at kind of the guys who went directly after Travis Etienne. Sure. That's usually the best way to go. And you go cornerback Greg Newsom, wide receiver Rashad Bateman, defensive end Peyton Turner, corner Eric Stokes, defensive end Gregory Russo, and then defensive end Odafe Owe. One more, Joe Tryon. So you had a run there on defensive ends yeah. right after the Jaguars so, pick. So if it was me. And once again, this is just me. Obviously, I'm a little biased. I played on the defensive side of the ball. Knowing what I know and the film that I watched, I'm a big proponent of Trevon Merrick. Now, maybe there's some stuff that we don't know why he fell so deep like he did. I don't know. But if I'm at 25 and I see Jared Wilson, who I like, but is he dynamic enough to give you what you want out of a 3-4 defense, I take Trevon Merrick. And then I'm going to parlay that, and then let's go ahead and go advance to pick number 33. So as you mentioned, by the way, third safety off the board, yeah, behind is, Javon Holland, yeah. and behind Richie Grant out of UCF. Once again, and I've stated this a lot during Shock Your Mock, and just in my you know, nonstop ramblings about him, I just feel like the guy gives you a different wrinkle that you can run on defense. I feel like you can put him on tight ends, slot corners, wherever you want to put him, and that's what you need out of a, a free safety, a center fielder, especially in a 3-4 defense where it's all about confusion and it's all about different looks. So I would have took Javon Merrig at pick 25 and then pick yeah, 33, I'm taking Christian Barmore. And, and I'll be honest, I was a little surprised that they didn't go in that direction. I was surprised that they went with Tyson Campbell. Just because Barmore, like if anybody knows him, it's Charlie Strong. Now, once again, maybe Barmore had some off-the-field issues that we didn't talk about or that we didn't see, that we weren't privileged to see behind the curtain, and maybe Charlie Strong knew that, right? Like, you, you got to imagine that Urban Meyer trusts Charlie Strong out of anybody um, in that stadium. So I think that with Charlie Strong, whatever he said, okay, so be it. But I'm taking Barmore at 33, and then if it's me, I'm looking and saying, okay, our defense that finished second to last last year in pretty much every single category, we have now upgraded – on the top defensive tackle of the draft, and what a lot would say, including myself, would say the top safety of the draft. That's rare to do. That's that's very rare to do. So I'm happy with that so far. And the top quarterback, by the way. Oh, and the top quarterback as well. Oh, yeah. and by the way, I think Here, it goes, it goes are, are you without saying. That pick? You, no, you know, I'm, leave that one the same. I think I think we're gonna hold yeah. uh, on Trevor Lawrence number one. Hold on to that one. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, what about you? I mean, pick number 33. Yeah, and as we kind of back up a little bit to to 25. I'm not going with a running back there. If anything, I'm probably going with one of those defensive ends, one okay. of those guys that you highly covet on your board. Now, how that relates, obviously, to where ETN was on their board, for them, it wasn't. Correct. You know, ETN apparently was leaps and bounds above everybody else, except for Kadarius Tony. Sure, sure. Um, but I'm looking at, the like, Greg Russo, yeah. you know, the defensive end for Miami. Yeah. Um, just because I, I feel like there's so much talk about winning this game you know, winning on the line of scrimmage, Correct. winning with the offensive line, defensive line. And you go first pick, second pick, third pick, all the way till the fourth pick before you address one of those big guy picks. Yes. And, you know, you're getting these little speedy guys to add to your speed. So, I don't know. It, they said they want to be fast, but then they also said that the, the, the big men are the important part. <laughs> you can't have it all. They did both. I mean, I mean like, in the lead-up, we heard both fast from big them. Men. Unless you don't want those fast big men which are very rare to come by. 
But no, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So well, I'm probably going defensive end there with that that 25th pick. Well, and we didn't. I didn't get to ask you at all. I'm sure you covered it before. But you know, you being a Florida guy, yeah. what, what were your thoughts about Kadarius Tony being essentially probably the top pick at number 25 uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars? So. I graduated Florida in 2007, so my yeah. last two years there were Urban's first two years Okay. Um, in Gainesville. Just the thought of him having that puzzle piece, that chess piece, really, yeah. to, to put into his offense, kind of. I mean, I it's mean, pretty intriguing. Well, you would say, ah, oh, like Percy Harvin. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And that's, that's the easy parallel that everybody's going to make, because sure. it would be a really good yeah. parallel. Yeah. You, would, you would love to see him be able to utilize him in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it would have been cool, but but I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with them not picking any Gators this year. Yeah. Um, simply because we need we need to repair that uh, that, that image that image that feeling. Oh, yes. Because you know. And, well, hey, I get it. And we'll see with C.J. Henderson. I you know. know it's it's yeah. kind of on him right now. I get it. Jags fans don't want Gators on the team right now based yeah. on the past few picks. Sure. And I I get it. You know. I guess <laughs> from a from a local well, TV standpoint, yeah. we want them on there because it's it's more people we can interview for Florida Georgia week. Yep. Every year we did get another Georgia guy in Tyson Campbell. That you did. Well, and I'm also glad too. Like, I, I think we should thank the New York Giants, in my opinion, for taking uh, Kadarius Tony when they did because. I just feel like if you brought Tony in, and I get it, he could be the next Percy Harvin. You can run a lot of things with him. Very cool. But it's almost the case of you have too many cooks in the kitchen at your wide receiver position. Because let's not turn the page on LaVisca Chenault quite yet. Now, he's a different player than Kadarius Tony is. Kadarius Tony is feels a little more slasher, fast feet, all this stuff. Um, Chenault, while he does have speed, he's more of that bruiser, right? Like he's going to lower your shoulder and he's going to deliver punishment. That is the fun thing right now is getting to look at some of the, the early projections for the 53 that start coming out and you look at it and you're like, oh, wow, didn't we just draft a wide receiver? Where is he on this list? Yeah. Might not make the team. Might not make the team. Because of how stacked that room is. And that's certainly something to – to keep an eye on. All right, we're gonna we're gonna keep this discussion going. We're gonna move on to that 45th pick, pick 45. To me, this is obviously the biggest no-brainer, right? And um, it's a nice little tease for the next segment here. I to like me, it. it was the biggest no-brainer. It's probably the biggest shock, um, set aside from Travis Etienne. But I think it's even probably the bigger shock. And I, I get it. There wasn't a lot of hype around this player. It seemed like when it was the day that the Jaguars would make the decision. But I just feel like, man. I thought we all had it pegged. I thought for sure it was going to happen. If I was in Vegas, I would have put money on it. I still stand by it. And when we come back, we're going to talk about it. All right. Sounds good. On ESPN 690. The day of the draft, uh, earlier that day, uh, Andy and I called up to, to discuss a lot of different things. And one of the topics was the draft. And I told him, you know, because we didn't know. We said, hey, there's a lot of different things that could happen uh, today being round one and the rest of the weekend. Uh, what I will tell you is that every position is open and including quarterback. And so I can't predict uh, when that may happen. But if it does, I just want you to know uh, the amount of respect that we have for you, where you stand with us and this team moving forward. And, and that um, that's real. I think that's very, very important to have um, with your players is build that trust and that honesty and that openness. We're all grown men here, and we all understand how this thing goes. He was a true pro about it. He understood it. Hey, welcome back to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 here at the Jacksonville International Auto Show. Stuart, who was that? That's the game, man. That's, that's the uh, game that Co- we Coach Shanahan talking about his relationship with uh, Jimmy G. Oh, 
No. No? Oh, come on. That was Mike LaFleur talking about Aaron Rodgers leaving uh, Green Bay. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I have no idea who that was. That was Matt Nagy. Oh, oh the Justin Fields quarterback. Yeah. Interesting situation in, in Chicago. You, you start Justin Fields, or do you roll with the red rifle and Andy Dalton? I don't think you start him right away. No? No. See, I, I, I disagree, Stuart, because just because I feel like if, if I'm – Coach Nagy right now, and I'm definitely on the... Coaching for your job? Yeah. I got to roll with Fields day one. I got to show off the offense, dual threat capabilities, all due respect to Andy Dalton, but you are not QB1. Yeah, I mean, Nick Foles is. Okay, well, <laughs> I mean, that, that first of all, that, that's blasphemy. They do have too many people there. They had too many people there, yeah. and I just feel like you saw what Andy Dalton did in Dallas yeah. with the weapons that what, he had, he too. And do. one yeah. one could argue that he had more weapons in Dallas than he did in Chicago. I mean, I don't know. Amari Cooper, Allen Robinson, who are you taking? Yeah. Probably Amari Cooper. Yeah, that's good. I think it's close. I think yeah, it's, it's closer, it's than, close. closer yeah. than the experts want to yeah, say. Yeah, no But you know what I'm trying to say. Though. Yes, exactly. But, I I mean, it worked out for Mahomes with uh, having him sit for that full year. You're not lying. And, but it and just, most quarterbacks that have to wait their turn and get to get a full season of watching it it's worked out well it just begs the question though if if he's on a big enough leash where he gets the year to sit justin fields or if they're in win now yeah. well, keep in mind yeah. they're coming up back to back eight and eight years yeah so it's not like they're a bad team but i feel like even going eight and eight right now in chicago <laughs> kill, that's kill like for eight under eight. expectations <laughs> yeah for sure uh, for sure so speaking of who to start who to pick let's just say yeah we're doing our fun little uh, draft thing here if we could go back in time Talk to Urban Meyer a little bit and say, uh, hey. The hindsight draft. The hindsight draft. Here's who you should have taken. I think we ended at pick 33, right? And, and you kind of spoke your piece. I say you take Trevon Merrig. Oh, I'm sorry. You take Christian Barmore. Uh, you take Trevon Merrick, pick number 25, top safety, top defensive tackle overall. That's a pretty good haul. And, of course, the top quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, pick 45. I teased it. Right? I did tease it. I teased it. To me, it was the obvious one. We did the fun facts. We, we had all that stuff. Pick 45, you go with Walker Little. Now, I see the upside, right? This is could be considered a luxury pick, if you will. But if he, and once again, how many times I've heard experts say, well, if he echoes what he did at Stanford, he's going to be start. Okay, that's a big if. It's a big when. But let's assume that Walker Little is 100% ready to roll, and he goes back to the glory days of Stanford. Well, then, yeah, it's a great value pick, right? And that's kind of Trent Baalke's resume a little bit. Urban Meyer wanting to fulfill the trenches. He does that. Walker Little could be a great player. Taking nothing away from him. I, I honestly, in retrospect, I don't really mind the pick too much. But I just feel like if Pat Fryermuth's there, and he unequivocally is the second best tight end in this draft, and, and let's be honest, probably the first best tight end, because as far as I'm concerned, Kyle Pitts is just an athletic freak. Don't call him a tight end. Don't call him a wide receiver. Just, just call him a pass catcher. So oh, now we an can, offensive weapon. An offensive weapon. A term we've used here. So Stewart. So it, yeah, exactly. So if we throw that in the mix, we can now say that we have the top defensive tackle of the draft, maybe the top safety of the draft, and maybe the top tight end in the draft, pending Kyle yeah, Pitts, kind, obviously. But I'm going to refer to Kyle Pitts as more as the, as the weapon. No, it's that's, not. That's this a is this is my TED talk. This is my PowerPoint presentation. So when he goes to the Pro Bowl this year, what position is he going to be at? Pat Fryermuth or Kyle Pitts? athlete. Ath- oh, the athlete, athlete position. Athlete, athlete position. I, I don't, I don't know if they had that one. It's gonna be Bowl. the, it's gonna be the fan voted on athlete position. Okay. Yes, yes. Is that's new. Is that new for twenty twenty one? Yeah, you. That's new. This you year? obviously didn't read the email. It's nah, all good. I must not have it's that all one. good. Uh, so pick forty five. I got Pat Fryermuth. 
I'm with you. I'm, yeah? I'm with you on this one. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and a lot of that has to do with our ability to have hindsight and see that they didn't they didn't get a pass catching tight end. Yeah. They they didn't get anybody. For sure. Um, and that need has not been addressed on this team. Now, do they not want to throw at the tight ends at all? Well, and that's the biggest point here, Stuart. It's the fact that you're bringing in Trevor Lawrence, and I get Walker Little. That helps you on the offensive line, and once if he you know gets in there as a starting rotational guy, whatever the case may be, yes, that gives Trevor Lawrence a security blanket. But you're out of your mind if you think Walker Little is going to come in day one, start over Cam Robinson, and protect Trevor Lawrence's blind side. That's not how it works. I mean, and maybe he's the reincarnation of. I don't know, Joe Thomas, but I just I have a hard time seeing Walker Little do that right away. So if I'm the Jaguars and I see, okay, well what does Trevor Lawrence need? We got the wide receivers, we took ETN, so we got you know the the diverse running game now with James Robinson, um, you know, and Travis ETN. We have I think a pretty suitable offensive line that a lot of teams would take. They had a thousand yard rusher last year. Now Minshew got sacked a couple of times, let's be honest, but how much of that falls on him? And assuming that the quarterback comes in and performs better than Minshew, well that absolutely upgrades your offensive line day one. So with all those things into play, what are you missing? You're missing a tight end. So that's why I would have probably taken Pat Prime with a pick forty five. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So then should we keep on going? Actually, I think we got Brent on the line right now. Oh. So let's go ahead and table this real quick. We'll on come back to it. Oh, I'm sorry, Steven. I thought you said, sorry, Kuz, you're a little quiet here. We got Steven on the line. Uh, Steven, how are we doing today, man? Uh, doing pretty good. How about you guys? Not too shabby. We're surrounded by care to, cars. Care to add to the hindsight 2020 draft? or What's up, man? What are you, what are you trying to do? Oh, oh, of course, I got my opinions. I mean, I agree. Why didn't you go Pat Fryermuth? Why Why didn't you listen to your tight end coach? Was he not pounding his fist on the table for his guy? I don't know. Uh, even the Tyson Campbell one, that was a big head scratcher for me, too. I understand, you know, you got three usable tight uh, cornerbacks now. He's actually played inside and did a little safety every now and then. So he does have a little experience doing both of those positions. So versatility, I get it. We have our Melvin Ingram and Alvin Kamara kind of combo with uh, James Robinson ground and pounding and ETN catching the ball. But, I mean, the Luke Farrell pick kind of just – he picked somebody he knew. I mean, if you wanted to go to Ohio State, why not get Jeremy Rucker, who at least we know was a pass-catching tight end. Justin Fields threw him several touchdown passes. Yeah. I mean, the guy I kind of liked uh, that everybody did probably didn't have on the radar and is now an undrafted free agent over at Dallas, uh, Nick Eubanks out of uh, Michigan. Mind you, yes, probably a death sentence coming from Michigan for an Ohio State head coach. But, I mean, in 2019, he had 600 yards and six touchdowns. I would kill for a tight end to be able to do that for us. All right. In 2020, Michigan quarterback, there, there was no quarterback play, so they relied on the run. So All right, you didn't Steven, really get tape on them. So thanks for calling him, man. We appreciate it. We're going to analyze that, digest that, and break it down next. And speaking of killing it, Kuz is going to kill us if we take any more time yep. going through the break. So let's let's digest what Steven said. Why didn't the Jaguars get an Alabama Crimson Tide player in Barmore? Why didn't they get Frymuth with his coaches in, you know, obviously the locker room in that stadium? We'll break that down next here and finish our 2020 hindsight draft next year on ESPN 690.